listening to a podcast from The National. Serial entrepreneur Sagan Yalsin is founder and chief executive of SellAnyCard.com, the region's first and biggest car buying service. My name's Chris Nelson, and in this episode of The National's Business Extra podcast, I talked to Mr. Yalsin, who also founded Sukar.com, which was bought by Sukar.com and subsequently acquired by Amazon, about the development of Sell Any Car and the importance of growing the country's entrepreneurial talent. He also reveals why a successful career in business creation is more lucrative than a successful career in football. Where did the idea for sellanycar.com uh, actually come from? Um, was it something you was it an idea that you'd had for a while or, or did it kind of pop up out of the blue? No, it was from a personal experience. So, you know, I was a tech guy always. I've been building companies. I'm an entrepreneur. So when I see a problem uh-huh. and the problem was a broken experience with selling used cars, I step in. And uh, that's what happened. So I tried selling my car. It's horrible trying to do it on classified. So, yeah. so it analyzed that it takes six weeks. On average, it took 19 appointments to sell a car. Uh, and usually it's off by 40% in terms of the price differences you see online, what we call a wish list by now, mm-hmm. and what reality is. So mm-hmm. I, I thought I can drop it down to 30 minutes, and this is what happened. So now... We are by far the largest car buyer in the country. We're 60 times bigger than anyone else. Uh, actually, not even anyone else. The second largest car buyer or in general a trader. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so kind of a monopoly in this. And I sh- it sh- really shows that we have solved the problem. Mm-hmm. And um, because we come from a consumer's perspective, so I wasn't a car expert. I wouldn't still, I w- still would say I'm not. I'm just a consumer who who wanted to solve a problem. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's what we do. Did did the did the kind of basic idea? W- were there um, examples out there of models that that you you felt you could adapt, or was it something completely different you dreamed up? No, I mean there are examples. Obviously, we have now adapted to the market, and we have now our own model. But we mm. started off as a car buying service, the same similar to what already existed in in the UK mm-hmm. or on different uh, versions in the US. But in general, um, car buying is nothing you can invent in the <laughs> 21st century. <laughs> yeah. I don't think yeah. this is something we invented. What we have invented is uh, today is actually real-time market coordination. So we do live auctions while you are in the inspection base. Okay. And this actually maximizes value for sellers because we create competition around your car. But more importantly, we find an outlying bid, the highest bid wins. Now, you can't do that if you're just working er- along lookup tables mm-hmm. and saying, what happened in the past? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take an average. That's that's not going to maximize value. Mm-hmm. The maximization happens when you actually find, at that point of time, the highest bidder, which removes the whole risk premium yeah. a lot of dealers today are uh, deducting. Yeah. Do you find that the 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 personal involvement of the seller is is a big attraction as well? They're, they're actually involved in real time. They see this going on. I mean, that must be actually quite an enjoyable experience from a seller's point of view. Correct. And the whole experience is different. I mean, if you look at uh, one major uh, difference to any other dealer or card trader, Uh, we see is that we are in all the malls. We are in like 17 malls today. Mm -hmm. We have over 20 locations nationwide. We we are not in uh, remote car 
places, I, w- mm. I would say car marketplaces outside mm. the city mm. where you just have to walk from one place to another and compare prices. We today compare hundreds of prices real time and you can follow everything live on your smartphone while you're shopping in a mall. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is different. 2% of women are selling cars here. Mm-hmm. With us, it's 20%. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people, I mean, women are own, women own forty percent of the cars in the country. So why aren't they selling their own cars? Mm-hmm. Because the experience is broken, and they leave it to their brothers and fathers, and and uh, it doesn't have to be. We made it extremely comfortable. We made it fast and easy, and it's the fairest price you can get. Sell any car does not create prices. Mm-hmm. We just make a market. Uh, mm-hmm. Imagine your um, your Nasdaq, your mm-hmm. stock exchange. Mm-hmm. The stock exchange itself doesn't define the value of your stock. It just creates a market mm-hmm. where you can trade. Yeah, the demand uh, defines and, the value. Yeah. Imagine you want to buy a, a share of Amazon mm-hmm. and there's no NASDAQ. What would happen is that Amazon's share price would be lower because it becomes less liquid. Mm-hmm. It's more difficult to buy it, more di- difficult to transact in general to sell. So what sell any car is is exactly the stock exchange who makes your car more valuable because it becomes more liquid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's uh, what we how we have commoditized cars. Mm-hmm. When when you first set it up, um, what what for you were the major hurdles that you felt you, that, that you had to clear to get it up and running in the first place? I mean, the technology is world-class. It took us a while to build that. We have uh, a very good team, which we had to assemble over mm-hmm. time. We grew extremely fast. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, we were close to a million dollars in revenues within 60 days, uh, actually per month. This one, Our second mm-hmm. month was a million dollars. So it was an immensely fast-growing company. Now, this comes with growth pains, obviously. And then what's always very uh, expensive, especially when you're building marketplaces, is you are either buying your seller database or you're buying your buyer database. Mm -hmm. When I say buying, it means you acquire them with marketing channels. You have to choose, right? So obviously, we started with um, seller acquisition. That means we needed to tell consumers that there's an additional channel to sell your car now. It's not only the trade-ins and the mm-hmm. most obvious obvious dealers on Sherzaid Road. Yeah. It's obviously the five, 6,000 dealers you have in the country which you do not know about and mm-hmm. which usually would pay more for your car. And suddenly, it's not all about Dubai. It's not all about Abu Dhabi. It's now an international play where your car can be worth more even internationally. Mm -hmm. And we can define that real time. Now, in order to build that, you need to spend a lot of marketing. Today, sellanycar.com is a known brand, but it wasn't when we started. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had to invest a lot. Mm -hmm. Was the marketing uh, aspect a... a a significant um, plank in, in uh, getting off the ground to getting that message out to people. How, how did you manage to do that so quickly? I mean, marketing is always a mix, right? So you do many things. You you do traditional media, you do what I call PR 1.0, right? Newspapers, uh, radio, t- um, television is not really recommended for tech startups here. So mm-hmm. um, then you start uh, with the online channels. So you have a lot of uh, SEM SEO, uh, uh, the social networks where you can actually advertise your business. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, uh, our first customers were also our biggest advocates. So we we had a lot of word of mouth Mm -hmm. uh, 
from those people who experienced it and and felt the difference and were happy with the process. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though our service is 100% free, mm-hmm. um, that means there's a lot of people who just come for an inspection and uh, just want to see how much that car is worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost every second person actually ends up selling it right away. And that is a testimony for how the experience of uh, selling a car is uh, different. It's mm-hmm. actually almost double the conversion rates any other uh, dealer would have, no matter how long they have been building their brand. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if uh, if the consumers were not happy, we wouldn't own 6% of the market yeah. of any cars being sold. 25% of the population has already registered with us. So, uh, and every second person coming to us actually sells the car. Mm-hmm. It's a testimony mm-hmm. for the experience, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is beneficial. For yeah. When when you um, first floated the idea to um, potential backers, were, were they was there any skepticism there, or did they immediately go, "That's a great idea, and yes, we'll we'll back you." I was the first backer of my oh, own right. business, but then uh, obviously. Um, in the region, uh, generally speaking, skepticism is is there just because it's the reason, mm. uh, the region. Now, um, there were obviously supportive uh, business partners I have today now, and we're very happy that we joined forces early on. And there were people who missed out. And mm. uh, that's when I say, what is an investor's job yeah. to invest, right? If you don't invest, you didn't do your job. And uh, sometimes, you know, they miss out. And that, that happens. At the end of the day, you know, we're building companies every month. So mm. there's always yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, when you set up selling a car, you weren't coming from a, um, a place of no experience. I mean, you set up Sukar.com, um, which was the, uh, the enormous private shopping club. Um, and you were obviously involved with uh, the Jabbar Internet uh, group. Um Sukar then went on to be acquired by Sukh.com, which in turn was acquired by Amazon. Now, you were involved with in the sale of Sukar uh, to Sukh. You were involved with Sukh. You were a member of, I believe, a member of the board on Sukh. I was uh, president of Sukar and vice president of Sukh, yes. Mm-hmm. So when Amazon took over Sukh? I was still partner, yes. Okay, so are you, you're still a partner now, yeah? Uh, no, no, they no. bought everything. <laughs> they bought everything, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, so that experience that you gained here with Sukar um, and uh, and obviously afterwards with Selenica, you, you already had set up businesses in Germany. What to you made the UAE uh, an attractive place to come and look at to, to set up businesses here rather than, than within Europe? The government goes in the same direction I would go. That's really, really important. Like, if I'm, I built companies in Germany just uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I've invested probably two million euros, well uh, above two million dollars, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was fighting to establish a business which is ultimately beneficial for society. I was, uh, I considered myself as fighting against the uh, the financial authorities mm-hmm. against actually government in general. If you look at labor law, it's always against employers. Mm-hmm. If you look at tax law, it's not really uh, motivating. Mm-hmm. So I felt like the return on investment uh, will be higher in, in, in Dubai, and mm-hmm. not only Dubai, in the UAE mm-hmm. in general. So we've, uh, we have 17 companies in the UAE in every emirate. So mm-hmm. uh, I felt like this is the place we go. We see with recent changes in law, 
how entrepreneurship is supported, right? And this was something which these discussions were going on in the past 10 years. What has happened today is actually just uh, a result of discussions and the the, uh, realization of the necessity to support entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs hire people, entrepreneurs import people, entrepreneurs make sure people stay in the country and, and can feed themselves. Um, this is uh, something why I'm here. Now, the major difference is in Germany, it costs uh, close to nothing to build a company, legally speaking. Mm-hmm. It's very fast to set up, but then you have an annoyance for years. And, and when it, once it works out, they take half of it mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually on net terms, it's actually almost 75% what you end up paying in tax uh, of your income which is uh, not acceptable, especially because you went all through all these growth pains mm. and uh, were uh, in disadvantage anyway when you compare it to employees. Now, in Dubai, this is not the case. In Dubai, we have a balance, I believe, um, and this is not only Dubai. In the UAE, in general, we have a balance uh, and it, it, a slight bias or skew towards employers, which is actually ultimately beneficial for society in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's basically what what I was looking for. I was I was looking for a ground uh, where entrepreneurs can flourish, right? And we can build businesses. We are still not there. I mean, there's still uh, a bit of limitations, which I believe will be solved. In the beginning, it was even worse. Licensing issues, uh, figuring out where to plug in your e-commerce. I mean, when we started, e-commerce wasn't a a, a license you could just acquire. Mm-hmm. It was. It was general trading combined with free zones, combined with logistics. And it, we basically had to build our own legal framework, mm-hmm. which was expensive. My mm-hmm. my first contract, uh, actually my first invoice from my lawyers was a quarter million dollars just to identify what's going on. And at the end of the day, they didn't know what's going on because practice and law were two different worlds. Yeah. Right. This so there's has no precedent, I guess. Yeah. We basically had to just uh, learn along the way, and I believe we have paved the way for many entrepreneurs and pioneered entrepreneurship and the online sphere uh, very early on. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy that we've done that. It probably, uh, realistically speaking, we have probably created a hundred thousand jobs. Yeah. And not only setting up businesses uh, is what is your uh, one of your focuses. You're also a visiting instructor on entrepreneurship at Canadian University of Dubai. Um, it's, it seems obvious that your giving back to society through growing entrepreneurship is extremely important to you. Um, where, where, does that, where does that drive for, for that, um, that, uh, that um, uh, side of things come from? You never build businesses alone. I mean, at the end of the day, over time, the CEO or the founder becomes less and less relevant in the success of the business, right? Um, You need talent. So we need to make sure that we have them here. We can't keep on importing people. They're very expensive and they're not really uh, loyal in the first two years and they're always on the edge of leaving again, right? So you need to have people here who've were born and raised here or who have been uh, here for a decade and who want to stay here. And this is why I wanted to teach what I have learned. And if even if I convert 1% of those people into entrepreneurs, I've probably created 100 jobs just mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. for the, within that course. So it was really, really important. It's, it's a low-hanging fruit. Every entrepreneur is building teams. Mm-hmm. Teams uh, get payroll, so they actually feed society. I believe this is the best charity you can do. Uh, without actually being the traditional meaning of charity, it's actually mm-hmm. the most beneficial for society just to build companies which are yielding, right? Which can ov- which can survive you. That's really important. Now, what we also see is the government is going towards the right direction. What I was criticizing before is giving people short-term horizons, uh, two-year visas. Mm-hmm. Basically means I'll trust you for another two years, but after that, I don't know if you're going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Now... I have a German passport. I wasn't really worried about it, but there are people who are always shaky when they're actually uh, about to renew their visas. You don't know what the political situation you're in. How can you plan a life if your visa is two years? Mm. So this is great. 10-year visa is the right step. Mm -hmm. I believe it should be unlimited at one point of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have a full political overview, so at the end of the day, there might be other reasons why it's delayed, but Mm. it goes into the right direction. Mm Ownership, it's very important. You're building companies, uh, giving away um, the majority of your company, even if it's just on paper, is not how you maintain long-term horizons mm-hmm. for people. So what do we see? People come and go. Mm-hmm. We don't want that. We want them to stay here. We want them to plan retirement here. Mm-hmm. But you need to have uh, laws which encourage that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going there. That's that's great. But And I hope it's not too late uh, to to actually change all of it, mm-hmm. and uh, I, that's basically what I'm happy to see. But it, again, it shows this is happening all within a decade. Mm-hmm. These changes in other developed markets would take uh, decades, probably yeah. decades. Yeah, yeah. and it, even if it would change. So here, if something is in that needs to be changed, it does happen, mm. and that's good. It's it's like entrepreneurship in in business. You if it doesn't work, you pivot away. Yeah. And we have to do that. And yeah. So long-term horizons uh, give people a, a, an outlook to retire here and to build families here and do not um, signal that you don't trust people yeah. who are coming. Yeah. Trust comes with long-term vision, comes with ownership, and comes with... Uh, with laws which actually uh, symbolize that. Yeah. Um, coming back to Selenicar, a recent development um, which which I, I think is really interesting is is the idea that you can now effectively take out a loan against your car. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, and then decide whether you want to buy it back or not. Um, that that seems to me to be quite a quite a, a new development for for an online platform to be able to do. I wonder, can you explain us a bit about sure. that? Sure. It's not a loan in a traditional uh, definition, but it's a pawn shop. Mm-hmm. So you sell your car to us, and then you buy it back. And we give you payment terms from 30, 60 to 90 days to do so. It's perfect for people who don't really want to sell their car, and, and uh, but need short-term cash. It's the fastest way of getting asset-based financing, pretty much. It takes 30 minutes, and uh, we give you the car. And it avoids the whole valuation discussion. It doesn't matter how much your car is worth. It, well, all that matters is, is the difference between buying price and selling price. So that's for all those people who, who were actually maybe traveling over summer, mm-hmm. right, and don't need the car for three months, or who need short-term cash, 
we we also give you a car in the meantime, so we do a free rental car in between, so you can still go to work. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I find the the that bit I find quite um, quite a bit confusing. Really, how on earth do you therefore make any money if you're giving them a car but you're giving I them mean, money for their old car as well? It's a very basic car. Mm, we we give right. you, uh, I think, like a Chevrolet Spark. But at the end of the day, it's just an example. But you will probably downgrade, but it's fine for those two, one month, two months, three months. Yeah. If you're happy with it, mm-hmm. at least you have your cash. The car still can be bought back. It's not mandatory. Yeah. If you don't come and buy it back, it's fine. Then we sell it elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And instead of driving a BMW 5 Series, you drive a, a yeah. basic car, which I is acceptable, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think are the uh, expansion horizons for selling a car? Um, Obviously, you've got major market share here. Um, are there expansion plans within the Gulf and perhaps wider field? Of course, we're we're in Saudi now, mm-hmm. so uh, we we're launching in Dammam, Riyadh, and Jeddah, which is uh, great. I believe it's 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 a market which has suffered severely in the past few years, especially new car sales. So we also believe that used car sales transactions will uh, significantly grow, as they have been growing in the UAE, mm-hmm. while the new car sales have been dropping or stagnating. Uh, I believe a whole new demographic has just entered the market, which will um, look for ways of selling their cars or her car in, um, in easy means. I mm-hmm. mean, um, I believe they would have issues driving as a female into Haraj or these uh, car markets, which are predominantly, and in Saudi it's 100% male. Yeah, yeah. But driving to a mall and uh, selling your car mm. seems to be acceptable for mm-hmm. females in Saudi as well. So this is something which we really uh, believe. We also have a great network effect. Now, as soon as we open up one location in uh, Dammam, it automatically benefits uh, them because we already have hundreds of uh, bidders, uh, buyers who, who are interested in a car and a mum. And uh, so instead of starting from scratch, we already start with huge market uh, buying power. Mm-hmm. And that only adds to the, the, the benefit for all players in our marketplace because now we have more sourcing of cars. At the same time, we have more buyers interested in cars. So it grows and has this... Uh, fortunate, virtuous cycle. Yeah, yeah. Do you, from a sort of a cross-border perspective, I mean, obviously the value of cars differs in, in each country, depending upon what the country is. Um, are there opportunities for buyers to, to say, in I don't know, in the UAE, to then have a look at cars for sale in Riyadh and, and they could get a similar car for less or more or whatever. Yes, of course. So it, we have automated uh, customs and logistics costs. So at the end of the day, you can, with a few clicks in our app, buy a car from anywhere in, in, in our sourcing countries. By the way, we're already selling to six countries. Where when I refer to expansion, I usually refer to so- refer to sourcing. Mm-hmm. Now um, we are also about to launch a consumer product, so it's not going to be limited to cons- to dealers only, okay. but consumers can also buy cars from us uh, very soon. Um, so there's a lot of new products coming up. At the end of the day, as you can uh, as as you already guessed. Uh, we can do geographical arbitrage mm-hmm. real time. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's the beauty. So the car's value in Abu Dhabi 
does not depend on the three, four dealers you have visited in Abu Dhabi, which happen to be close to you and are on the main street. Mm-hmm. That is not market value. Market value is neither the wish list price you have seen on classifieds, which are unmanaged uh, lists of uneducated buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. What the market value is, how much you can sell your car for now as an actual transaction, irrespective of your geography, irrespective of the buyers in terms of the dealer's brand focus, uh, inventory situation, or real estate situation in terms of space he has available. Mm-hmm. All these usually uh, play into uh, the price when a dealer would give you an estimate, a binding price. It's also different to a valuation which is not binding. So with uh, sell any car, we give you a binding value irrespective of where you are because the bidder can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he could have a ready customer already, and he would be really loving to buy your car and pay you 1,000 dirhams more or mm-hmm. 10,000 dirhams mm-hmm. more, right? Mm-hmm. And this is real market. When you want to know stock price, you go to the stock exchange. You want to find out what they're buying and selling these stocks for. Yeah. You don't yeah. go and uh, to the newspaper and ask, right, and say, how much do you think this is worth? You don't do that. You go to the stock market and find transaction values. Yeah, yeah. What um, are, are there any sort of standout uh, models or, or makes that that you find turn over fast, faster and more frequently than others, um, say in the UAE? Yes, we are a Japanese market here, so mm-hmm. half of the cars are actually uh, Japanese. So Toyota is very popular. Uh, even the Koreans have actually picked up in the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have seen a significant drop in American uh, American spec cars, mm-hmm. not or not only American cars in general. American cars were not really popular here anyway, but American spec cars have mm-hmm. dropped significantly as soon as uh, the UAE has implemented new custom rules, which uh, stop cars with severe damages to enter the market, yeah, yeah. and um, that was a very um, very obvious. A source of fraudulent trade, mm. right? So bringing flood damage and lemons into the market, mm. selling them as uh, roadworthy cars was possible. It's not anymore, yeah. but it's very difficult to do so. Yeah. So um, I believe at the end of the day, if, if you want to uh, buy a new car, you have to be, uh, you, you need to know that the car's value is going to drop significantly as soon as you drive out the showroom. Mm-hmm. I never recommend buying new cars unless you buy it as a luxury item. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, uh, as a as a, uh, a younger um, as a younger man, I mean you're not very old now, but as a younger <laughs> man, uh, you were a very talented football player. Um, <laughs> is there with the World Cup coming up now? Is there ever a part of you that thinks, do you know what? Maybe I should have stuck with football. I could be there. Uh, so it's very uh, peculiar, but I never liked watching football. I mm-hmm. always, as soon as I see someone play football, I wanted to play myself rather than watch it. So I'm not really a, a big, uh, uh, not a fan. Well, as such. Not a no. fan. In, I mean, I used to be, not anymore. But I'm not even watching football. What I really love is football in general. But I believe I took the right decision. Mm. Um, here's an example. If you are the 500 best footballer in the world, you're not making a lot of money. You might, 
I mean, you, you're making more money than an average guy. But if you're the 500 best entrepreneur in the world, you're a multi-billionaire. Yeah. Right? It's very, very, it's very, very obvious that the likelihood of you being successful in football, no matter how good you are, and I mean, the top two in the world out of the, mil- out of the millions who, who play football and probably a billion kids are playing football, mm-hmm. two of them are really, really making money mm-hmm. and they're not even billionaires. So yeah. it's, it's really difficult to make a long-term career playing football, but it's fun. Yeah. And as long as you're young and uh, you, you dream a lot, then go ahead, play football. But if you have a choice and uh, you're not 100% sure that you're going to be professional, get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so again, thank you very much for, uh, for your time today. That's been fascinating. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. Thanks very much to Mr. Yelson for that look behind the scenes of one of the region's business big hitters. My name is Chris Nelson, and that was the National Business Extra podcast. Find us at your usual app provider and at thenational.ae.